everyone, this is Rithik and welcome to the Inspired Learning Podcast. Our guest for today's episode is On Abdi. On is the founder of One Minute Book Review, an IG page with over 100k followers, as well as Book Talk Today, where he has a podcast, a magazine and a newsletter. Not only is On a good friend of mine, he is someone I look up to in terms of content creation and providing value. He is probably the most productive and disciplined person I've ever come across. In this episode, Ohn talks about how he overcame learning difficulties, used productivity books to level up his life, and why we should stop reading so many self-help books. So without any further delay, let's get into it. Ohn, welcome to the Inspired Learning Podcast. It's great to have you on. It's great to be on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So now we all know you as the person behind one minute book review book talk today you're doing countless other things in the same in with regards to books let's talk a little bit about you apart from bookstagram so tell the audience about yourself and your background and what you do outside of bookstagram sure so when i graduated from university i studied politics at university and i as i say quite often i read widely on a wide wide variety of subjects you know from politics to anthropology sociology and i did option modules and and like neuroscience and other stuff and i credit a lot of my reading to the time that i spent in university because it was there where i was opened up to a range of subjects when you're at school you're almost sort of boxed in to a certain amount of subjects and i felt at university i was opened up to a a range of different subjects that i just didn't have the access to and after graduating i joined the civil service in the uk on their finance grad scheme so i did that for two and a half three years and then i joined another company for about a year year and a half and then i went uh, i went solo uh, and outside of bookstagram outside of instagram you know i run the magazine and i run my own podcast uh, as well as content creation and also a marketing company that I'm a part of with some other people and I help authors and I also help other people to create social media strategy and also to get as much exposure as they can for their brands. So that's me. In a nutshell, that's in a, in so a, many that's different... Me. Yeah, that's uh, that's me. And there's other, there's other things I'm working on. There's other sort of projects that I, I do on the side and... But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much me in the simplistic form. It's difficult to to express yourself in uh, in a short sense because uh, you're as a human, you're so simple yet infinite, infinitely complex at the same time. So it's difficult to simplify yourself, and it's dif- difficult to express yourself because I agree. Yeah. So as a kid with dyslexia and learning difficulties, how did you come across books and start your reading journey? What was the first book that came across? difficult to find one book that i came across really that sort of changed my life in that respect i would say the one book that really ignited the journey to read more in the non-fiction space was 12 rules for life so i was super excited today to receive his second one beyond order i just i received it today so i was super excited to to read that one and i think the reason why that triggered it for me was because in that book it there's a lot of self-awareness and there's a lot of self-reflection and that's what i feel like the purpose of reading is i almost there was a, a great analogy that i that i heard when it came when it came to reading and i can't remember who it was but 
it was reading is a form of mining rather than accumulation. So a lot of people see reading or knowledge as a way of inputting information and then you acting on those those inputs, whereas actually reading is a way of accumulating knowledge and mining the information from within yourself. So it's more of an extraction process because a lot of the time when you read a book, you you deep down you already know what the author is talking about and you almost feel like that's so simplistic. How did I not know that in the past? Or how did I not already know that? But deep down inside, you already did know it. And that's what I love sometimes about books. And my favorite books are the ones that ignite self-awareness and make me think about how I can be a better person, not only in my actions, but also in my ways of thinking, my just how I conduct myself internally more than externally. Because I think your internal monologue and what you say to yourself is more important than what you say to, it was weird to say that's more important than what you say to others. But I would actually argue that it is because often the way that you talk to yourself dictates how you talk to others and how you act in the world. So if you're able to conduct yourself properly and, and say the right things to yourself, and act in the, in the best way towards yourself, then that's that's half more than half the battle. So that book really, I mean, one of my favorite rules in that book is treat yourself as if you're someone responsible for looking after. And in that rule, it's very much the case of how can you treat yourself as if you're someone outside of yourself? And that just <laughs> blew my mind and I've, I've, I've tried to live by that ever since so yeah probably 12 rules for life kicked it all off and it's weird that you've just caught me on a sort of full circle when the day <laughs> that his other book came out so i'll be spending the next couple of weeks going through that book that's awesome so what you were saying just reminded me of a quote and i know we've discussed this before in clubhouse george orwell once said the best books are the books that tell you what you already know and exactly that sums up what non-fiction is all about in the end so, I almost think like he got that from Orwell because he's a big Orwell fan. So I almost feel that was a derivation of Orwell because something I think about as well with authors is that or content in general, when it comes to content creation is it's hard to be original and no one's ever original. Very few people can be original. We're all playing off everyone that came before us. So it's difficult to take credit for anything because it's not really you taking credit i mean we're all subjects to our past ancestors so nothing that we ever do is originally us we're all playing off people that came before us so yeah i, th I think he definitely took that from all well in a to a degree and, and twisted it in a in a way but uh, yeah i mean it remains true so that makes a lot of sense so okay you've been reading for a few years now what made you decide that, okay, I'm going to start this book page. What was your objective behind that? So I get this a lot at the moment is people think I had this grand master plan. Uh, definitely didn't have a grand master plan. So when I was working for the civil service, I was commuting into London. So I was working in Westminster, which was central London, you know, where parliament is and all that stuff when I was working for the government. And I was commuting, let's say four hours a day, mostly. And during that period, I was studying. So I was doing a professional qualification in accounting and I was reading as well on the train. So I was balancing sort of studying. So I'd, I'd usually study on the train in in the morning and then read on the way back. So I'd get about two hours of study and two hours of reading a day. And <clears throat> I mixed up audiobooks, but I also wanted to read hard copies. And I had read some books on history and I was still sort of 
reading books on my subject politics but I wanted something practical I wanted productivity books because I was spending so much time traveling and I was trying to find ways to to become more productive with my time because I was doing so much and I was finding I wanted to find places to find these books and I looked at blogs, but then a lot of the blogs that I found were as long, if not longer than the book. There was just pages and pages of, of the book. And I thought, how can I create, or well, where is a place where there's a sort of a short summary of a book and Instagram at the time only had an a minute long uh, maximum. There was no IGTV and there was, I don't even think there was video stories. I think there was only picture stories. Perhaps there was video, I, I can't remember. This was early 2017 and I just started posting. Uh, I didn't really have a quote unquote goal. I was still studying. I still had my full-time job. I was just inspired just to create something that people that I would find useful and that hopefully other people would find useful. And I didn't really take it very seriously to start off with. I would say the only really the last 16 months if I started taking it a bit more seriously, uh, as I started seeing more traction for the first year and a half, I got maybe 3000 followers three and a half thousand followers people look at my number now and think oh my god he's doing it for he must have been doing it seriously for a long time and I haven't I've been doing it but I haven't really been doing it seriously and I would say that my motivation from the start was to just to create something that I wanted and I feel like a lot of people start creating because they want to monetize or they want to grow a following which is it's good but that's not going to keep you motivated because you don't really get a following very quickly unless you're really lucky. So what, what keeps you going? And I would say that my mindset has always been community created and community driven. So that always keeps me driven because I don't consider one minute book review or book talk today to be mine per se. I have created them, but I definitely don't consider them to be mine as in I have created them and I do this and I do that. I think if you can switch an I to a we, it makes your life a lot easier because it takes the pressure off you. <laughs> Whereas a lot of people want to, to, to drive with the I and then they get anxiety or they, they stop. So. Now I've got a few other questions lined up, but before I get into that, are you planning to write your own book? Because so much of what you're talking now, I feel like it can go into a book. There's so many wonderful stuff that you wonderful stuff that you said right now that I would quote to others so Mm. are you planning to write a book if not you really should I'm I'm currently writing two I'm writing a historical fiction and I'm writing a non-fiction so I actually I I spoke to an author a couple of days ago and during a couple of days I want to say in 2018 I spent a weekend writing an historical non-fiction based on the siege of Constantinople which is a book I have and, and I'm fascinated by historical fiction. Uh, Specifically, I studied a lot of history at school and university, and I'm fascinated by the parallels between fiction and history and how can you create a historical uh, narrative, um, sorry, a fictional narrative based on a real historic event. I just find that parallel just, it really excites me. So I'm about 25,000, 30,000 words in. Uh, That's a project that's going to take me some time uh but my my fiction my non-fiction book is something that i'm going to spend some time on uh researching most of the things that i'm reading now i'm creating a bank of notes like you know i'm, I'm big on taking notes that i can feedback and part of that is 
for future books because I, you never know when an idea is going to come. And it's a lot easier if you already have the bank of notes there that you can pull from rather than just reading these books for, for the sake of reading them. So my nonfiction book is uh, around the idea of the four burners theory. Have you heard of the four burners theory? No, I the idea not. that you have sort of work, family, social life and hobbies, and you can only ever do two of them if you want to do them properly. So which, which two are you going to choose out of the four? Um, and it, it, it's, it's about the idea of balance, taking on the themes from perhaps stillness is the key, but it's going to go into some science about what balance is in the universe and how we can uh, create balance in our own lives and about how balance is actually a myth. Uh, there is no such thing as balance uh, because it's, it's more picking on the things that you want to do. For instance, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur or you want to be a successful creative, there is no balance because you are hedging your bet solely on one thing, if you want to do it properly, that is. And if you're uh, an ambitious person, there is no such thing as balance. Uh, when I think about what I do and how I plan my weeks, there is no such thing as, and I'm not saying this to the degree that I consider myself to be a hustler or a someone who, who works all the time, because I actually don't, I don't work all the time, but there is no such thing in my life. If someone looked at my schedule to say that there's work-life balance, it's just, I found something that I love to do and, and I'm doing it. And someone would consider that to be not having a balanced life, but I would go back and say to them, what, how would you define that? And I think that would be the exploration in the book is how do we define balance? Not only in the universe itself, but the way that society deems balance from a work point of view or a relationship point of view. So big topics require a lot of work but i would say i'm more excited about the historical fiction than i am about the non-fiction funny <laughs> so this is a good transition to the next topic you're doing a lot of stuff related to books you've got one minute book review you've got book talk today you've got the magazine the newsletter the youtube channel you've got pdf summaries you've got twitter and now clubhouse how do you manage to focus on so many different areas at one time i mean you're doing you're not even doing this full time you've got that marketing thing as well so i even saw a behind the scenes snap i think yesterday or today uh where you were editing the video of for your podcast yeah this morning so you're doing video editing on your own as well yeah how how do you manage to do all of these things at once because i mean that's something even i'm struggling with currently hmm so I need to talk a bit more about my, and this is what I've learned from nonfiction books. Like I think a lot of people see the books that I read and think I don't get anything from them, but I'm implementing the things that I'm learning in these books. And that's, what's helping me. I think what I've come to realize is things that I don't do is actually the things that allow me to do as much as I can. I am not overly social with my friends. I have maybe two or three that I speak to fairly regularly but apart from that i'm not overly social i don't really watch youtube videos i don't really consume content i don't spend that much time on social media i only really post and sort of communicate with you or people that we know in in this space and people that follow me and reply to dms and stuff like that apart from that i don't really spend that much time on social uh, i don't have a netflix account i don't watch tv i don't watch sport like that Honestly, outside of content creation, editing the magazine, my marketing stuff, speaking with authors, emails, 
reading. There's not really much else I do apart from time with my family, cooking or just general house stuff. Mm-hmm. Something that's really helped me is time blocking uh, and doing the same thing every single day at the same time, because it's there's you don't give yourself the choice to not do it. And a lot of people ask me, how do I stay motivated? Motivation isn't something intrinsic. I've realized it's not, you don't wake up motivated. Your motivation comes from your diary and your schedule. And if you can find a, 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 a right way to schedule for yourself, I'm a morning person. So I get up really early. I read for 90 minutes and then I get on with my day. That has allowed me to read like last month I read six books. And the only reason why is because between five and six 30, I'm reading. And it's just what I just, the, what, the way it works for me. And a, and a lot of people struggle with finding the ways that work for, for you. And it's taken me a lot of time. It's not something I didn't get up one day and, and be like, this is the right way for me. I've just found something that works. Uh, something I would say a life hack, and it's not really a life hack because it's so simple is have a morning and an evening routine and go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. Most of your problems will be solved if you go to sleep and get up at the same time because your thought process is correct. I, I watched a great, great podcast with, I've, I've never heard of Naval Ravikant until yesterday. And I watched a podcast that you did with Tim Ferriss and he's a very successful person from, from what I can see. And he's very much about maximizing happiness and getting rid of distractions and unnecessary things. And there's, and what we were talking about earlier, they're so overly simplistic, yet everyone knows them. So what's preventing us from doing so? And I'm big on going against social norms, not social norms when it comes to how we act with people, but why should we have a Netflix account? Why should we uh, watch the next movie that's coming out? You know, these kind of things that people would consider a thing. I remember when I was working, there would, there's this show in the UK called Love Island. It's like a reality TV show. And people used to berate me for not watching it. And I'm like, well, sorry, I don't go home and watch Love Island for two hours. <laughs> you know, it's just, who gives a shit? <laughs> so I would say find the thing that you love to do and have a really strict discipline when it comes to your time. You know, you're not going to get your time back. And I've just found a way to, to do something that I enjoy and, and really be serious with my time and, you know, do things that you enjoy. Uh, I always find an hour a day to go for a walk with my mom. And that's become one of my favorite parts of my day because it's allowed me to find some level of mental clarity and, and get ideas out. And I've become, I've become more effective with my work when I spend time away from work. And the more people that can find that, I think the better. And I appreciate some people are studying and, you know, my work schedule when I was uh, working in the civil service, you know, I was leaving the house because I used to go to the gym for work. So I used to sort of get up at four and then I was back at home about 7.38. And I did that for like two years, two and a half years. And that drained me. And, you know, sometimes you have to do that, but such as life, you just have to find what works for you. Okay, so I'm really intrigued about this. First of all, it's like you're living the monk life apart from one minute book review and all. So take us through your day. Like what's an average day for you like? Yeah, I've, I've got my calendar up here. Oh, actually, I'll get on my <laughs> iPad. I've got, I've got my iPad. So I'll, I'll walk you through uh, what I, how I usually 
schedule it. So what I do is I'm big on time blocking. So if you look at books like Deep Work by Cal Newport or Indistractable by Nia Eyal, they always recommend time blocking in, in one way or another. So this is my this is usually my 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 Google Calendar. So I schedule in time to sleep. And my sleeping schedule now at the moment is actually uh, ten o'clock uh, to four thirty. Uh, I reduced it to 4.30 yesterday because prayer time is uh, is a bit earlier. So, And then from sort of 4.30 to half six is sort of pray, meditate, and read. Uh, every Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go for a run. Uh, and then sort of seven to eight is like do the dishwasher, like really basic admin stuff, have a shower, that kind of stuff. Uh, I've taken up a new project of coding. So from Tuesdays to Fridays is from eight till nine is, is coding. And then really it's just work from nine to five-ish. Uh, in between that is sort of meetings, it's content creation, it's a walk from three to four usually. Uh, and then, you know, projects, meetings, podcasts, emails. And then the evening is either podcast like i'm doing now if for instance we, we had something scheduled because it's in the evening now in the uk and then on certain days i'm responsible for cooking so i would cook on certain days but every single thing that i'm doing when it comes to these things is in my diary and then from eight o'clock is usually a hard stop on work i don't do anything after eight o'clock and then i go through my evening routine which is usually 45 minutes of stretching and then at nine o'clock is no phone so i wind down evening routine usually uh, a cup of tea that has at the moment it has apple cider vinegar honey and turmeric and then i sort of just journal for about half an hour use environmental design i'm currently reading the history of the russian revolution so i'm doing one page a day it's sitting on my bed otherwise i'm not going to finish it i've wanted to read that for a while and i'm reading another book called uh daily rituals by mason curry which is a a book on the daily rituals of artists so i'm on one artist a day which is also on my bedstand and then i have this dimmable light that uh that reduces in 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 light up to 10 o'clock and then i sleep and then i do it again that's a perfect transition to my next question because my next question was about environmental design we've spoken about this on clubhouse and yeah. you what kind of a role, I mean, what role does environment design have in your life and how, how important do you feel it is for everybody to impl- implement it to at least some extent into their lives? It is the single biggest reason why I'm able to get so much done. Hands down. I think as soon as I read Atomic Habits and he started talking about environmental design, I, I structured my life completely differently. I think before lockdown in the UK, so March 2020, I did do some. So I used to go to the gym in the morning before work and I used to sort of get my clothes ready, do all that kind of stuff. But when I was working strictly from home, my room is both my bedroom, it's my studio, it's my content creation space, it's it's everything. And creating you know, in that book, he talks about environmental design. If you, even if you lack space, have specific areas where you do specific things. So my desk is sort of content creation when it comes to whether it's podcasts, but it's also where I edit. It's also where I reply to emails. Uh, but then I actually read over there in the corner. I also go to sleep in my bed. Uh, and then, but I actually have 
taken it down to the device. So I only do certain things on certain devices. Uh, if I need to watch YouTube, for instance, uh, then I'd only do it on my iPad. I won't do it on my computer. If I need to reply to social, it'll only ever be on my phone. If I need to reply to emails, it'll only ever be on my, my computer. That way has really enabled me to basically say, okay, I'm not going to, because if you've got your phone then in, and you reply to emails on your phone, then you always have access to your emails on your phone. But if you say you're only going to reply on your computer, that means if you go out for a walk, you're not tempted to, 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 to reply to an email. And I have strict times for social media usage. I only really do it in my free time. I'm quite strict with, with not just picking up the phone. I use an app called Moment. I don't know if you've heard about it but it tracks how many times you're picking up your phone and how many times that you're spending on, on social media. So I track that all the time and environmental design is huge. It's huge for me. Uh, I think people want to become more disciplined. And there's that famous quote by Jocko Willink is discipline equals freedom. And discipline just comes with time and it comes with being strict with yourself. And a lot of people want to be lenient with themselves. I always advocate for being lenient with others and strict with yourself. A lot of people are the, the opposite. They're lenient with themselves and strict with others. <laughs> I, I'd say flip that around, be lenient with others, give the benefit of the doubt to others, but don't give the benefit down to yourself. That's such good advice. So another important topic I want to discuss with you is about self-help books. Now, self-help books have become such a lucrative genre most of the authors that approach me or maybe you or any other book page, they've written a self-help book. And most of these books are basically a repackaging of the same advice that a few other books mm -hmm. have already written about. Why do you think it's become such a huge industry? Because it's easy. They're easy to reproduce. Because as we said before, there's no original content really. It's just reproduced content from a different frame. So they basically just reference books that have come previously and put their own experience in it. So it doesn't really require that much work per se. Uh, also, they're easier to read. So for people who are new to the subject or, or new to reading and want to get into it, it's sort of easy to digest. But I think the third point and the biggest one is I feel like it gives people a reason to make it think like they're making pro progress when they're perhaps not. So it's a a plaster rather than an, an actual, an actual real fix. And, you know, if you've listened to the live Q and a, you probably have people come on and say to me that they've been reading self-help books for some years and they've never seen any benefit. And that's a common thing among people because, you know, implementation is an, an action is, is the main reason or the, the, the only way that you're going to see development reading alone is not going to help you. You know, everyone knows that exercising is, is good for you, but that's different from running 10K or 15K. I mean, everyone wants to, wants to be healthy, but you have, to, you have to put in the work. So I feel like self-help books is the same way. It's, they're a lucrative industry, but like, I don't consider self-help to be a right title. And I don't actually like that title, as you probably know. Yeah, uh, I've been talking about that quite often at the moment. Um, and you look at my page, I mean, really not that much is on that subject. I try and mix I'm it up. Uh, book talk today. Um, the reason why I created book talk today is to be a bit more open. Uh, the podcast that's coming out tomorrow is with a fiction author. It's a coming of age story. Uh, the, the podcast before that was on how we form memory. And she's a, a resident professor at 
uh, Trinity College in Dublin. She's a psychiatrist. She's been 35 years experience and the book is heavily on literature. Uh, we've got some really interesting ones coming up. Uh, we have a podcast arranged at the end of March with a, an ex-CFO for a bank in Syria and he talks about running a bank in a war zone. So, I mean, I, I get it, but, and that's why I'm very careful with who I have on the podcast and the books that I share on my page. Uh, you know that I don't take paid promotions on one minute book review. I think yeah. a lot of people know that I don't take paid yeah. promotions and it's for this reason that I, I think we talked about this on clubhouse that someone reached out to me and I read the book and it was totally bad. And I thought, I just, I can't, I can't do this. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I have other things outside of my page and that the page one minute book review isn't my only source of income. Um, well, in fact, I don't make any income from it. It's really only, I use it as a source of indirect traffic. So I get traffic from the page and then it pushes people onto me personally. And then through that, we can then communicate. And then obviously I offer other services, but there's no direct way. I mean, I sell merch, but I never promote it. It's only there if anyone ever wants it. Uh, and then it's more for the magazine and, and getting people in the magazine and attention for the magazine, which then gets attention on, onto my book talk today and that podcast. And then we can work with advertisers and, and publishers to, to get them to sponsor them in the magazine or, or in the podcast. So, and also for people to download. So, so obviously it's become more self-help has become a saturated genre. Now this poses a big problem for our readers. So many books, most of them saying the same thing. How do we choose from these books? Read widely. I think when you approach, when a lot of people approach self-help, I think the main thing is they don't know why they're approaching it. Have a specific thing that you're trying to accomplish. If it's to become more productive, read a book on productivity. If it's to develop new habits, read a book on habits. I'm not big on motivational, uh, how do you describe them? Self-affirmation, <laughs> BS to put it politely. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not big on them because I think that they're falsifying what life is. Uh, life isn't about, it, it is to a degree being kind to yourself, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm of the Goggins school where you have to tell yourself you suck and repeatedly tell yourself that you suck being kind to yourself giving yourself a plan to get better and then getting better. I'm not of the mindset of telling yourself that you're enough because I never want to feel like I'm enough. Cause if I feel like I'm enough, then I'm never going to do anything and I don't, I want to do stuff. So I feel like a lot of people at the moment are going down the road. And I think a lot of people in the self-help space, whether they're authors, well, I think this is an important point is there's a difference between an author and someone who's writing a book to sell something. I actually consider most people in the self-help book to be someone who's selling something. They're not an author. I make a big differentiation between someone who's an author and someone who's just writing a book to sell something. So I think that's an important differentiation. And if you're going down the author route, that's great. Uh, if you're trying to sell something, I understand, but I don't consider yourself to be equal to many people who I consider to be authors. So if you feel like you're reading a lot of these books and you're not finding the benefit, really ask yourself why you're reading them or find a specific topic that you're trying to improve on mm. and then just go down the rabbit hole uh, and really avoid people, avoid authors or people in general that are telling you that you're enough because they're, they're selling you a false lie because you're not enough. 
And I'm saying that in the kindest way possible because you personally, I never want anyone who's ever come up to me and they have in the past that says that you're enough. I'm like, well, I'm not going to listen to you because I'm working to improve myself. If I'm working to my to improve myself and you're telling me that I'm enough, then I'm never going to try in anything and I'm never going to improve. And Naval Ravikant was saying that yesterday in the podcast. He's like, you're the he said the greatest thing that he's ever seen in an entrepreneur is the fact that they're willing to start from scratch again. They're willing to just start something from new, even though they have 20 years experience in one field, they're willing to go into another field and start again from scratch. And they never feel like they're enough. And it's not, they never feel like they're enough in self-esteem or confidence is they never feel like they can learn enough. And I think learning is, is the most important thing that we can do. Intellectual curiosity. I think, if you can re- retain intellectual curiosity, I think that you will, I, I think that solves most of your problems really in life because intellectual curiosity is, is. Uh, I agree. And, and I feel that the authors know that this is what people want to hear. I mean, if most people, if they hear that, no, you are enough, you are doing good, take your time. You don't have to go and do that thing. It gives them that feeling that, okay, this is what I wanted to hear and that's mm. settled. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, they know what people want to hear. They're saying it and selling it as a package. And then people obviously don't realize that they're making any benefit, but they know the pe- person that could possibly help them. Then they're selling a 3000 pound course on top of their book. And then people feel, think like by buying the 3000 pound course that they're going to get better because they need to spend more money to get better. And it's not the case. They've just wasted, I don't know, 3000 pounds and a 10 pound book when they could have just read Goggins and then realized that <laughs> you just need to put in the work. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say to that. Yeah. Uh, and people, uh, people should focus more on, I mean, if you want to read self-help books, do, do your research on the author. See if 100%. the author is selling products or services and the book is just a supplement to that. If the book is the final product, then it makes sense. Then he might just be an author. But if there are other products, there's something shady over there. An astronomically valued products, not even products that perhaps are $15, $20 or $25. When True. you have a book and then you have a course for £3,000 on top of the book, you're like, well, what information is in the book if then the 3,000 pound... So how bad is that book? Because if you're selling something for 3,000 pounds and that's your premium product, that book must be really watered down if you're willing to sell it for $10 or the 3,000 pounds is overly inflated. So it's one of the two. I I look at either of those and think, well, either the book's terrible or your course is terrible. So which one is it? That makes so much sense. So we've got plenty of time and I want to dive into your podcast a little. You you said that you just mentioned that the reason you started Book Talk today was to be more open and connect with these kind of authors. Yep. You've got some great, great authors on the show. How do you go about your research in terms of preparing for the interview? Like, mm. I mean, you would not want to ask them questions that every other person asked them but also you need to be very careful with what you ask them. Um, so this is, a, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. So 
I usually watch back the the zooms that I I do and I record all of it and I have a nice conversation. I was showing my brother the conversation that I had with Greg McCohen and he wanted to, he, my brother's interested in looking in, in watching this, the, the conversations I have before and after, because he's interested because he, he's like, oh, I can watch the podcast, but I like to know the interactions <laughs> before. So he watched that one and we were having a pleasant conversation. And the thing is he's done so many interviews on essentialism. I wanted to go in with a hard hitting question. And it was really funny because we were having a nice jovial conversation before we started. And I was explaining to him, you know, the origins of my name. And he was talking about how his diff people pronounce his, his second name and they can't spell his second name. Anyway, we start the podcast and I go in hard with a question and, and real hard with a question. And you see, his, if you watch it back, his face drops and he's like, uh, uh, and then he presumes to answer it kind of all right for like 30 seconds and then he puts it back on me to then ask me a question and i loved every second of it because i feel like my job as an interviewer is not to get the author to say something that they have already said before is to uncover something that perhaps they haven't said before now a lot of the authors that i have had on a lot of people haven't interviewed before because they either might have released a book that's new or perhaps people haven't heard of them. Generally, people haven't heard of them in, in, the, in the book space or even in general. So my, my way of doing it is, you know, I take notes and my way of doing it is I, I have the book notes. So for instance, this is the one I did with Veronica. So I have all the book notes here and, you know, I take photos of the books and I, I sort of put it in here and these are all the notes and five principles and all that stuff then what i do is i basically note down all the questions that i want to ask so these are all the questions and then for instance i might in the questions put a reference to a quote or a specific quote and i think i have quotes intermingled within the uh within the notes but what i do with these questions is i don't chronologically go through the questions i start off with the first question and then see how the conversation goes and I'm constantly having a look through here to see how I can sort of shift the conversation and how I can replicate what the author has just said and then confirm what they've said, perhaps ask a follow-up question or even direct a what they've said and reframe it in a way that can push me into another question. Now, I'm getting better at it. Uh, obviously, when I started, it wasn't great, but you'd expect that. I agree. And that that's the learning curve that's there with every new venture that we I think Gary, we had this quote that said, everybody looks like an ass when trying something new. And I stuck that on my wall. So I'll see that every time I would hesitate on this podcast. But that's the way it should be. I agree. And there, there are so when I was editing the first two episodes, I was just, there were so many tiny, tiny mistakes that I wish I could remove, but I, I'm just like, I want that to stay because when I reach episode 100 or 150, and then I come back to this and see, look at those mistakes. It, it just feels nice. It exactly. shows you how far you've come. Exactly. Uh, you've seen that I've probably restarted my YouTube channel, my personal yeah. And I did that sort of two years ago and I never really knew the purpose of it. I think Book Talk Today has helped me Book Talk Today has helped me with everything because it's very much segmented what I actually do. I do the reviews on One Minute Book Review, but then I also have the magazine and the podcast, but I also have my personal one and they all drive 
traffic and I call it the ecosystem. So you can come through my, let's say my personal YouTube channel. And then mm. you realize that I do one minute book review. And then you realize I do book talk today, or you can come through book talk today, which is happening. Now people are coming through YouTube through book talk today, and then realizing that I have one minute book review as well. And then I have my personal YouTube. So I call it the ecosystem, like the Apple ecosystem. That's what I'm aiming for. But when I started the, the, the videos, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> I was doing like vlogs and I watched them back the other day and I'm like, you look like such an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You look like such an idiot. But now I've sort of found my, what I'm trying to do with it sort of reviews, but in a fun and not fun, but in an educative and uh, not just me looking at the camera and saying, this is the book review. It's sort of making it interesting and feeding in the ideas to feed in the interviews that I'm doing with authors and, and make it fun. But yeah, you, <laughs> you have you ever seen the first review I did on on One Minute Book Review? I have not. You should go watch it. It was of Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Uh, oh. And I have no beard. I'm really serious. I've seen and some of your I... photos from that time when you had no beard, you had short hair, I think. Yeah. And I'm just like, on is unrecognizable. This is not him. <laughs> that was like that's nearly four years ago, which is crazy to me. But uh, my bookshelf looks completely different and I was filming all of it on my phone. So it was only really until sort of a year and a half ago where I actually bought a camera and stuff. Before that, I was doing everything from my phone. So that's why when people look at me and, and they say, how do I start? It's like, just start. Just start. It's one of my friends now. So Adam Lowenstein, who was a former U.S. Senate speechwriter, he was on episode four of my podcast. I think. He's the author of Reframe the Day, if I'm not wrong. Correct. Yeah, and we're yeah. friends now, so so we speak all the time, and we have Zoom calls every couple of weeks, and we've been discussing this idea of do the best with what you what you have uh, at this moment, at every moment, just do the best with what you, what you have. And I think a lot of people are looking at what's happening in the world now and waiting for it to be over. And I think that's the wrong mentality to have at every moment in in your life. It's the world's not going back to what it is, or your life's never going to return to what it was. You just have to adapt it to make it the way that you want it to be. And I think my approach to life in general and my philosophy and, you know, my granddad, he, he, he was born in India and he has this Urdu quote, which is and like I live by that because only through action does, does blessings come, which is true. The that is very true. Okay. So just so that listeners realize that it doesn't matter how you start. If you see on my left, that's my bed standing up to make place for my <laughs> table that's a mirror over there and the table on which the laptop and this mic and all are kept is actually my dad's office table i've carried it from the other room and brought it here (laughs) just so i can make this so you just have to find a way and get started with it another question i had for you was do you ever feel like i'm doing all of this by myself i think i need somebody else to help me out so that i can do more work do you ever feel like it's all too much for one person like you to handle I love it because I know in the future that I'm going to have someone else and I know I'm going to miss it. So I'm going to make the most of it. I've just flipped it. I've just reframed it. If we're going to use Adam's term, I think a lot of people are, are, a lot of people are always looking to grow. I'm just looking to enjoy the process because I know in 
five, 10, maybe less years. I work in five to 10 year periods. I don't work in year periods because patience is a huge thing. I know that I might have a couple of people, 10 people, five people, who knows? And my goal anyway is to have a publishing company. So I might have more people, but you just got to enjoy it. And I think when you're always looking to grow and when you're always looking for the next thing, what was that quote? I can never remember this quote, but it's one of my favorite. It, who is it by? I can never remember it, but it's one of, it's it, the, 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 the essence of the quote is everyone's looking for their next thing in their life. And the next thing they realize their life is over kind of thing. It's you're always wow. looking for the, you're always looking for the next thing. You're always looking for the next thing. You're always wanting the next thing. Next thing, you know, you haven't, your life's over and you, you haven't enjoyed anything along the way. And my focus is just to enjoy every single moment that I can with everything that I'm doing and yeah, some of the things I don't particularly want to do, but you just do it. And then, you, you know, because I know the bigger picture that I'm working towards. I, I've never spent any moment thinking about, oh, you know, I don't want to be doing this. Someone else should be doing this. I should be doing something else. Because going back to what I said before, it's you have to do the best with what you have at the moment. In the UK, we've been on lockdown for, this is our second lockdown. We've been on lockdown now since before Christmas. So it's nearly been two and a half months and no shops have been open. Can't go to the gym. Like nothing can happen and nothing's happening. Not for one moment have I thought, oh, I wish it was this way or I wish it was that way. Like a lot of people are because that's mental resource and mental energy. That's not going towards something that I can actually do. The only thing that I can control is what I do with my time. And that's been a big mind shift, mindset shift for me. And, uh, yeah, so to answer your question, I, I never really think about it. I actually enjoy and revel in the fact that I do everything to this at this moment because I know it, I know at some time I will have to get someone and then I will have to teach them to do the things that I do and that it will be bigger of a headache than me just actually doing it. So but but that, that honestly puts a process. lot, honestly puts so much into perspective for me. I mean, I get to enjoy the process right now. It's not even been a year since I started the page and now we are doing this podcast, but fingers by the crossed. way, by the yeah. way, I, I was thinking of a podcast for 18 months before I started it. And it wow. wasn't because I was procrastinating on the podcast. I just didn't know what it would be about. And I think this is an important concept because a lot of people feel as if they're not doing anything. Now there's a big difference in my mind between procrastinating on an idea and not doing something because you don't know the real reason why you're doing it. And this is why I feel like I stopped doing YouTube for a while because I didn't know it's fit. I didn't know it's purpose. And a lot of people like Gary Vaynerchuk, and I do like the things that he's saying about content creation and creating a lot of content and just starting. But I also think there is something to be said about how it sits in the bigger picture. Um, and whether you're actually going to carry it on because you don't want to just start something and then find out that it, it's not something that you want to continue doing. Um, I've done that with many projects in the past. I've started it, realized I'm not going to continue it and then just stop doing it. But with the podcast, I had authors coming to me and sending me books for a while and I could have got them on a the podcast, but you know, everyone has a podcast now. And I was, I thought to myself, you know, from a strategy point of view, you know, I have some consultants that I work with who are friends that help me with the marketing side of it and the brand side of it for book talk today. And I was big on 
doing the magazine and I was big on doing the podcast and I wanted to make them the same. Uh, I wanted to make them not the same. I wanted to make them under the same brand hmm. because, well, selfishly from a content creation point of view, if I have interviews, I have content. <laughs> I have not only podcasts, I have video, I have audio, I have clips, I have transcripts. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, I have relationships in the future. Um, if I ever want to go down the publishing route, if that ever gets, um, if that ever happens. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And the reason I want to start the podcast is because I want my impact to be more than just on books. I want to inspire people and empower them to show them what they can actually achieve. Mm. Currently, books are just my how. And that's the reason I didn't name this podcast, the Books Well podcast. I named it the Inspired Learning Podcast because learning shouldn't just be limited to books. There's so much we can learn. And once we learn, there's so much we can do with that information and achieve so mm. much more in life. And mm. when, when that thought came to me, I just realized I have to start this podcast now. Mm. And the plan is not just to get authors the plan is to get entrepreneurs artists mm. anybody who is able to inspire more and more people mm. it's interesting you say that because i wanted to do the opposite i didn't want to get everyone <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of niches and and owning a niche mm. uh, and then branching out from that niche uh, i i did a lot of research about podcasts and I think a lot of these big podcasts, whether they're Joe Rogan's, whether they're Tim Ferriss, whether they're Jordan Peterson, uh, these big podcasts, they have authors that come on, but they don't yeah. specifically have authors that come on. True. And there's podcasts that have authors that are in fiction only. And then there's podcasts that have only non nonfiction, nonfiction authors. And I'm like, okay, well, obviously people like listening to authors because they're on the big podcast. Yeah. They either come on the fiction, they either come on the nonfiction, but there's no one that does both. Okay, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and it's going to be slow because there's not a market for it. But like with One Minute Book Review, there wasn't a market for it. No one mm. really knew what it was. No one, I don't think anyone really still knows what it is, but they turn up. So, uh, and, and this is an interesting point. This is something that I'm starting to talk about a bit more. When I started One Minute Book Review, I didn't want to be at the forefront. I didn't want to say that my name is Orn Abdi and this is my thought process. Uh, and that was... I want to say it's a mistake, but it was something that I was not comfortable with doing to start off with. And that's not because I was camera shy. Um, I'm fine with public speaking and all that kind of stuff is I thought, who really cares about me? They only care about the books. Then I realized that people actually care about my thought process. And that changed when I started doing the live Q&As, which has been hands down the best thing for my page uh, on One Minute Book Review, because it's enabled me to answer questions get to know the community and really express my point of view when it comes to books and my ideas and my thought process. And that really inspired me to start focusing on my personal brand, um, which is one of my focuses for 2021, which is my, as you've probably seen my Twitter, yeah. my YouTube, my Instagram, uh, you know, it's the way that I've seen. And this is why I was saying that book talk today helped because book talk today separated me from just one minute book review it kind of said mm. to me, oh, no, I'm Book Talk Today. And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm One Minute Book Review and Book Talk Today, then who am I? So I kind of see myself as both. So if you imagine like an org chart, you have me at the top and then you have both of those brands. So that's why my goal is to build my own brand because there might be other things that I do and then that can sit under them. Uh, because I know that Book Talk Today is going to be a 
well it is a company um it's just i own it hmm. but potentially other people might come in in the future perhaps if they want to invest or whatever it might be uh one minute book review i don't really know what i'm going to do with that one <laughs> if i'm going to be honest because i feel like there's going to be a time perhaps where I'll be busy with other projects where perhaps I might not have the time and effort to, to put behind it that I do now. So that one I feel like is a passion project more than perhaps something that's going to be a quote unquote business. Mm. Um, book talk today is very much the business and I've put a lot of time and effort behind the strategy for that one. One minute book review is very much more my, my little, my little baby. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Sort of just my, my, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's, that's quite surprising. I was talking to Nick yesterday. I was interviewing him from BookThinkers. He said something similar as well. I asked him, where do you see BookThinkers five years down the line? And he said that he may not be behind the camera five years down the line at BookThinkers. Because he said right now he's got other plans and other projects for BookThinkers. But five years down the line, he might just I mean, sell it or just not be behind the camera anymore. And I was just like, he said that yesterday and you're saying that today. I'm well, just... it's difficult to predict the future, really. I, I mean, at this moment, I am in no way stopping this train. <laughs> I mean, the train's going and it's full steam I'm ahead. I'm grateful for that. And, and, <laughs> and it's not stopping anytime soon, trust me. But that being said, I think perhaps even if it's not me, even if it's, even if it's me behind the camera, it won't be me doing all the posting and the... Mm-hmm. And the Think about it like Gary Vee. He has he may, a team. He, he creates the content, but he does he creates the content. He doesn't do all the admin and all stuff. stuff. And I'll still do like, I think the one thing that I'll carry on doing is the live Q&As because that's the thing I enjoy most about my page. Like and I, I've been doing it now every single weekend for the past year and I haven't taken one day off. And that's because I enjoy it. It's not because I feel like it's a burden. I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy answering questions. I really enjoy meeting the community and I actually enjoy people asking me questions because it reaffirms the ideas in my head. And if I feel like there's a flaw in my thinking, or if I don't understand something enough, I just go back and learn it because teaching is the best way of learning, not learning. Uh, if you can't explain what you've learned to someone else, then you haven't actually learned it or understood it. You've just memorized it or you've just thought that you've learned it, but you haven't. And I think the more that I talk about the ideas that I'm learned, the more it reiterates the ideas to myself and that then I'm able to implement it. I mean, I talk about atomic habits every single week and I talk about environmental design. I talk about latency effect. I talk about, I almost feel like James Clear can hire me as someone who can talk <laughs> on his behalf. <laughs> so, and, and that just helps me more than it helps anyone else. So I feel like it's, it's benefit to everyone because it's helping other people and it's helping me. So why would I stop that? It just seems I like agree. it's helping everyone. I agree. I mean, I, you've been doing this since a while. And a lot of people ask me as well that when are you going to come on IG Live and all this? I've just not worked up the courage yet. But I mean, hearing this from you, I'm definitely going to try it out soon. If not for exposing myself to those uncomfortable situations, then to reaffirm these views of mine and help me unlearn and learn stuff more so that really helps a lot last couple of questions uh three people who inspired you and you look up to my mom uh my brother 
I'm I'm a big family person. Like I I like on social media I don't really follow any quote unquote celebrities because mm. I think most of them are incredibly flawed individuals and incredibly True. insecure. So I don't like following them because I'm not seeking that ideal in my life. Um, like I said, I'm a religious person and I feel like we're only here for a short amount of time and I have role models that are in the spiritual religious realm uh, that I look up to more than individuals. Um, but my mum, for sure, you know, growing up as a single mother, you know, there's so much that I'm grateful for that I can never repay. So to her, my brother, because like I said, I just respect him a lot, but I'm going to pick someone that has a massive impact on me. And I feel like I'm going to say three people, but these three people encapsulate one individual. Now, like I said, growing up and you don't have a father figure, you, you grew up not knowing that person. You, you look to individuals who you don't know personally, but you find through the internet or social media or, mm. you know, books and books mainly the other two being the latter part of them and social media just helping. That's why I feel like I'm so into books and reading these books is because these ideas or, or the people that are propagating these ideas, I wish I had when I was younger. So I think three of them would be Jordan Peterson would be one, David Goggins would be the other and Jocko Willink would be the other. So I think those three people encapsulate an individual that I'm trying to seek to become. So those three people I look at and be, how can I be more like them on a daily basis? And there was a very powerful, I haven't read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, and I know you mentioned it on Clubhouse. Yeah. But he has his, have you watched his Oscar winning speech? I watch it at least once a week. Yeah. So in that speech, he always says about how he's chasing his ideal. And that's, I feel like who that third person is in, in the person that mm. I look up to. It's not, I don't look up to anyone now because everyone's always getting better. So that third person is encapsulates those three people I said, but also myself and who I'm aiming to become. So that's what, that's what I would say. Cause yeah, that, that speech and that idea uh, really resonates with me. Um, I firmly believe not to look at individuals and wish to become them. So I don't wish to become anyone. I just want to be the best version that I can become. Cool. I, do, I don't want to be, I don't want to be anyone. <laughs> I actually feel like people who wish to be other people, I feel bad for them because it's obviously the case that they're not comfortable with who they are. Yeah. And if you can become comfortable with who you are now and who you want to become in the future, then I think that's the secret source. To, to life and there's a young quote that you know you can only you only know heaven once you've seen the darkest parts of of hell and i think that's where reading and self-reflection comes in i'm big on self-reflection spending time alone spending time meditating spending time writing uh, a lot of people look to other people for motivation whether it's people that they read or listen to and i almost think that it's almost inside of you you just have to stop putting in the the noise and and let your mind do what it needs to do so that's wonderful honestly and i i first saw matthew mcconaughey's speech i think a couple of years back and since then i've saved it and every month at least once a month i watch it because it's probably the best speech i've ever heard and it mm. puts so much into perspective yeah, I mean, a lot of people might look at my life and think that I have it worked out. <laughs> and 
over the last three years, I've gone through more shit than I think most people could muster in like a 10 year period. And I don't talk about it because I don't think it's necessary to talk about. But all I will say is, even when you're going through the worst of things, you can still find time for yourself and to do things. And you need to understand what's the most important thing for you to do now and where you want to go. And it's really difficult because you have to ask yourself difficult questions. And I feel like the reason why most people don't make progress is they're not willing to ask themselves difficult questions. You have to ask yourself difficult questions every single day uh, about who you are as an individual, about whether you're living up to your potential, about how much you can do and just keep on going one one foot, that's one that's the only the way other. Are, that's the only way we are going to grow and it reminds me of victor frankel and man search for meaning he said that the biggest growth he had was through the tough situation and that's where he found himself and the meaning of life through that suffering and mm. not at the same level but we all have to put ourselves through some level of suffering and self reflection to actually find ourselves mm it's interesting because something that i think about a lot is truisms so things and i like to find patterns between books and patterns between yeah. ideas and one thing that i've found in podcasts i've been listening to whether it's navaravakants or kevin sistrom from from instagram or whether it's goggins or whether it's man such a meaning whether it's jocko whether it's jordan peterson is they all say that you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations every sure. single day True. And if everyone is saying that across different time periods, across different backgrounds, across different perspectives, different, different political views, direct, different sexual preferences, dif- different everything, industries, what they do, I'm like, well, that's got to be true because it seems like they're doing okay. Yeah. So I'm big on finding truisms and that's what I only focus on. And that's why I feel like I'm able to get as much as I get done done because I only focus on the thing that matters. Um, and I only extract the things that I've considered to be truisms based on what I read and, and what I consume. So well, that's been wonderful. I absolutely loved every minute of this interview. On Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Uh, there were great questions and hopefully I've provided some. I'm glad. Some of course you have. Listeners. There's so much more I want to talk to you about in another episode, hopefully discussing philosophy, stoicism, We'll I'm happy to come on again. D- definitely. One thing I'd like to talk about is the the thing I think about stoicism is the relationship between stoicism and religion. So yes. I'd like to have a, a conversation. We'll about definitely that. have that conversation soon. It's coming. Thank you so much on for coming onto the show. See you soon. You're and welcome. Stay inspired. Thank you. That was such an interesting discussion. We originally planned to talk for just 45 minutes, but as you noticed, we were getting so deep into philosophy and role models that neither of us wanted to end the interview. What I like about On is how easy it is to have a chat with him. Not only is he well-read and clear on his priorities, he's got an aura that makes you feel comfortable in talking to him. I'm certainly looking forward to having him again on the show. There's so much for us to discuss. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode. Stay inspired.